With over 50 years of real estate experience, the team at Powell Fine Homes have dedicated our careers to taking care of our clients, ensuring that they get the best possible results and service when they engage us to represent them. From first-time home buyers to multi-million dollar home sellers, from regular sales to short sales and foreclosures, we've seen it all and educated our clients along the way. As broker owners, we have serious visibility into the Los Angeles and Ventura County real estate markets and are about to share some of what we're seeing with you right now. Get ready for the Powell Fine Homes Real Estate Show. Hey everybody and thank you for coming to the Powell Fine Homes Real Estate Show. Today is Tuesday, January 30th. We want to wrap up 2017. We want to talk a little bit about what we've seen so far in 2018, as well as the forecast for 2018. We were fortunate enough earlier this month to sit down with Oscar Way, who is the chief economist for the California Association of Realtors, and went through his recap on 17, and then also what, where he thought 2018 was going to go it wasn't that different than what Kirsten and I thought was going to happen anyway, but it was nice to see uh, corroboration from somebody uh, who is the chief economist of California Association of Realtors. So let's talk about 2017. In Los Angeles County specifically, prices the median price came up about 9.6%, which is pretty high. Kirsten and I would certainly prefer to see 3 to 4%, which is the historical norm. It's much more predictable. It's a more balanced market. And, you know, a balanced market is what everybody ultimately should want, simply because at that point we don't have these artificially inflated appreciation rates. We don't have the multiple offer scenarios. We don't have a lot of things that we're dealing with uh, last year, this year, and probably 2019 as well. I don't think that what we're sitting in right now is going to change much as a selling or buying environment. It's, uh, it's just we have a serious inventory constraint, and this is because of a couple of reasons. Uh, you, before I get into that, one of the questions we get every week is, are we in a bubble? And it's, I understand why people ask that question, because the last time real estate prices were getting up in this price range, we were coming up on 2008 and the bubble popped and, you know, we all paid the price. Prices came down 40% and, you know, there was inventory everywhere. I can certainly remember 2007, you know, it, we were still selling homes back then, but it took a lot of work and it took a lot of time. And uh, you really, really, really got good with your relationships with all the lenders because not only were you dealing with your normal lender, you would be talking to the buyer's lender and figuring out what's going on. We used to actually have conference calls every week with different lenders asking them, okay, how did the criteria change this week? Because Fannie and Freddie and, and Housing and Urban Development, HUD, was changing. They were dropping, you know, they're raising the FICO requirements. They were raising the reserve requirements. They were raising income requirements. And, you know, they were automatically just looking at the offer that came in on a house and they'd take 10% off the top right without even talking to anybody about it. You know, even before the appraisal came in and said, nope, it's going to be reduced by 10% because we were in a rapidly declining market and they didn't want to lend against a value that wasn't going to be there. So, you know, 2008 was even worse in 2009, I think was the worst year of all of them because it just sellers were unrealistic in how big a discount they were going to have to give. Buyers were unrealistic in how big a discount they should receive. And lenders really didn't want to be lending money in this environment. So it, it was just crazy. I mean, you know, the market effectively stopped functioning for all intents and purposes uh, in 2009. Then in 2010, it started shaking itself out. And then we certainly hit bottom at 2011. And then it started peaking after that. Or not peaking, but climbing up to where it is now. So, but when you take into consideration the fact that it dropped 40% from late 2007, uh, and then you look at where we're at now, 
you know, we in Southern California, we still haven't even gotten back to the same median price we had back then. And in, I think the peak median price in 2006 was probably around 590, 590,000. And right now we're sitting right around 539,000. So we still have, you know, a good 50,000, 10% to go before we get up to where we were at the peak of 2006. And when you factor in inflation, we're actually behind the curve even more. So we're not so much worried about that side of it. What's driving these increases, I mean, for example, Los Angeles County is a, not even Los Angeles County, but Los Angeles Metro is up 9.6% this year over last, which is a huge jump. But it's strictly a function of the inventory constraints. And we are just so low on inventory for a number of reasons. Number one, from 2008 to about 2013, we didn't build anything to, you know, for, for real purposes. And then even since then, I think last year and the year before, we might have gotten 100,000 permits through for all of California for new home building, whether it be a condo, townhouse, single family home, whatever it might be, to just meet the demand that is here right now. They should have been building 180,000 units every one of those years. So we basically have a 1 million unit deficit today. And when you extrapolate out what the demand is going to be over the next 10 or 12 years, say take it out all the way to 2030, that's 12 years from now, at the current rate that they are building at, we're going to have about a 2.5 million unit deficit by the time we get to 2030, unless there's something that changes that increases the number of units coming out, how quickly they can do it, because there's a lot of things that are in the way of this. Uh, Strictly speaking about new home construction, You've got, let's see, you've got the communities that push back, the not in my backyard syndrome. You know, nobody wants new construction right behind their house. I get that. We didn't want to either. But it happens. It has to happen if we're going to meet the demand that's here. So one part of the pushback is from communities. Second part of the pushback is that there's not a lot of land to build on here in Southern California. I mean, yes, there's plenty of land. But when you look at how much green space and open space we have, which everybody certainly wants to keep, it really regulates where you can build. And if you get into Ventura County, specifically in Conejo Valley, they have had for the last 50 plus years, a philosophy of very slow growth. They really don't want a bunch of homes built in there. They like the open space they have. They like the feel. They like the the lower amount of traffic and everything else, which is great for quality of life. But when you flip the page and you talk to the big corporations and Kirsten and I do a lot of relocation work, so we're always talking to companies like Amgen and Guitar Center and, and Baxter and, and some of the other bigger employers in Ventura County. And one of the challenges that they really have that they have to fight is housing. When somebody comes from the East Coast or the Midwest and they have to move to California, number one, you got sticker shock. And, and we've seen it so many times. We went through it ourselves. Kirsten and I, when we were in the corporate world before we got into real estate, we were moved all over the country. We'd get recruited by a new company. They'd, they'd say, okay, we want to move you here to here. We moved from North Florida to Texas. We moved from Texas to South Florida. And then we moved from South Florida all the way out here to Los Angeles. And you know we've been on that side too. And we went into sticker shock just like everybody else coming in from out of state. But fortunately, we did it 16 years ago to where the shock was nowhere near like it is today. But the challenge becomes they need housing. They need affordable housing, which is a relative thing. But we still need affordable housing. And people, employees, prospective employees or recruits, are looking at the cost of living in California, and they're backing off. 
Uh, it's one of the reasons you see corporations leaving California for other states that have more affordable housing, they have less regulation, and that's not a political statement. It just is what it is. Um, you know, you can deny reality all you want, but you can't deny the effects and the consequences of denying reality. So, you know, take that for being it is what it is, but that's one of the issues we have. And, and not wanting to be built in the backyard is one constraint. The uh, regulatory issues are another. It costs a lot to do a new development. If you want to go break ground, you've got to get your plans approved. There's, there's multiple layers on that. And it's a multi-year. And for a development of more than 100 houses, it's probably a multi-million dollar process. So all of those things factor in. And you have to get through that. The other leg of the table that has been kicked out, if you will, is that we've had a demographic shift in that older people here in California are retiring in place. Whereas they used to sell their house, they moved to Arizona, Florida, Texas, wherever, Idaho. They are now staying in place. The homes aren't coming into the market for the sales pipeline. They were looking at how much it would cost to sell the house, where they're going to go, how much it would cost to buy a new house. They balance the cost of living. And for a lot of people who have either paid off their mortgage or have almost paid off their mortgage, it makes more sense to them to stay where they live. Or perhaps they had one of their kids or multiple kids come back home. They're living with them now. It's more uh, convenient to stay there. So we've lost the pipeline for the people who would be either empty nesters or move-up buyers. Those homes aren't coming into the market. We don't have the typical new construction and then the resulting resales as those people move on. And another problem we have is on the buy side, we don't have as many first-time buyers coming in. Affordability is an issue. There's no question about that. You have kids coming out of college that are just saddled with so much college debt that they can't qualify for a loan to buy, even if they have the income and the reserves. But there's also a group of kids that came out of college between 2008 and probably 2013 who didn't have good job prospects coming out of college. So they haven't built up the normal capital reserves they would have, you know, by the time they get into their mid-20s to be able to purchase their first home, whether it's a starter condo or smart starter house or anything like that. One of the other things we're dealing with also is competitiveness in the marketplace. In Southern California, a full 60% of all listings are receiving multiple offers. It's, it's a big number. Literally 60% of the homes that come on the market wind up in a multiple offer situation just because there's so little inventory. A healthy, normal inventory market for real estate is where there is six months inventory. At that point, you have equilibrium. You've got a, It's not a buyer's market. It's not a seller's market. It's just a good market. We haven't seen six months of inventory. Gosh, I, you know, I'm going off memory here, but I'm probably going to say since 2011. It spiked in you know 2008, 2009. At one point, I believe we were up to 18 months worth of inventory, which was a nightmare in the other direction. But now I think we're sitting right around 3.6 or 3.8 months of inventory, which is almost half of what it should be. And our number of listings in Southern California is down about 14% from this time, 2017. And the only way we see anything changing is with prices coming up a little bit. And as the economy improves, as it appears to be doing, I believe the last GDP reading for uh, the fourth quarter was 2.6%, which is moving in the right direction. That's going to cause the Fed to start raising interest rates, which is going to cause mortgage rates to come up as well. So... Now you have a different conversation, you know, that we talk to a lot of people like, well, I just want to wait and I think prices are going to come down. Okay, let's look into the crystal ball and say prices came down 10 percent. If the mortgage rates go up 1 percent, 
you still are paying more on a monthly basis for the same house. But if, you know, as I told you earlier, we had a 9.6% increase in median in Los Angeles metro area, uh, you know, 2016 to 2017, if we have another 9.6% interest and we have an interest rate hike, say it only goes up 50 basis points, a half point, you know, where are you at now? So the extra money you save doesn't make a difference because both the cost of capital and the cost of the acquisition of the property have both come up past that. Uh, you know, so that's the challenge the buyers has. They're looking at it's like, do I buy, do I buy, or can I even buy? One of the things that we're consistently surprised by, for lack of a better term, is the misconceptions that there are out there for the buyers. We have so many buyers thinking they need 25, 30, 35% down, and you don't. I mean, there's programs, the FHA programs have 3.5% down. There's plenty of conventional programs that have 5% down. And it's an honest conversation we have to have with people. Can you buy a house? Yes. Should you buy a house? Not always. The last thing we ever want to see is a buyer who is going to be what we call house poor. They can buy the house they get into the house. That's all they can do. They can't go on vacations. They can't save any money. They can't do anything. There are some people who at this point in their life, for whatever reason, may be able to buy a house. They probably shouldn't. But there are also people who have plenty of disposable income. They certainly have the 5% down or the 3.5% down. And it would make sense because every study you look at shows that people who own homes have a higher net worth than the people who don't. And it's, you know, even if you boil it down to its uh, barest essence, it's a forced savings plan. As you pay down your mortgage, you gain equity. As you gain that equity, that, that increases your net worth. There's no two ways about it. And the beauty of real estate is you can leverage it. You say you, you have plenty of equity, but you need to access it. There are loan products for that to where you can access that equity. You know, if it's an income property, you can depreciate it. You live in it. You know, you can't do that with most investments. So uh, for most people, home ownership is the right answer. It just depends on where they're at in their cycle, you know, financially, uh, career-wise, family-wise. There's a lot of things to talk about, which is why we always encourage to be a meeting between ourselves and the buyers to go through all those things. So that's where we're at. That's how we got where we're at. And now we're wondering, where's 2018 going to take us? And you know, it, it. I think it's going to be more of the same as opposed to any kind of surprises. I think we're going to see consistent small, slow but positive growth in the GDP, which is going to put slow but positive pressure on the mortgage rates. So right now we're hovering just below 4%. In talking to Oscar Way, who's the chief economist for the California Association of Realtors, we met with him earlier this month, he thinks the year is going to end up somewhere between 45 and 4.6% as far as the 30-year fixed mortgage rate. That's a pretty good jump from right now. It's a half point. And like we talked about earlier, if the market came down 10% and it went up 1%, you'd pay more. If it came down 5% and the, and the interest rate goes up half a percent, you're still paying more. And there's just no indicators we see right now, to be honest, in any metric we look at, that says that the market's going to come down. Affordability is an issue. There's no question about that. But when you don't have any inventory and a full 60% of the homes that are listed have multiple offer environments, there's only one place to go and that's up. And of those homes that are going into contract, a full 30% of those homes that were in multiple offers are, no, I'm sorry, 30% of all homes in Southern California being sold 
are going into escrow and closing over asking price, which again is a result of the auction environment that happens when you have multiple offers and buyers sitting at the table. Is every home going to go into multiple offers? No. But the ones who are the most attractive, they had the best location, best schools, have been upgraded to where it's basically turnkey. Yes, those homes are going to get multiple offers. And if they're priced correctly, they should go in slightly over asking. Or if they're underpriced, they'll go in far over asking. The downside of that is all the neighbors say, well, he listed for this much and he got this much. So I'm going to list for that much. And then I'll, and they're anticipating going in, you know, they, they take the price the new home closed at. And they add 10% on that. And that's not realistic either. So those homes will sit out there a little bit longer. One of the key metrics that we always look at is housing affordability. And the peak affordability in Southern California, as far as recent memory, was uh, the first quarter of 2012. And that was when the market really, truly bottomed out. The big bulge of foreclosures, if you will, had worked their way through the pipeline they had all hit the market in 2011, and they started, uh, there was just so much competition among the myriad listings that were out there. Prices just got as low as they were going to get in that first quarter of 2012, and then they started climbing after that. And if you look at the California single-family home income requirements to buy the median price, in the first quarter of 2012, you needed to make $56,320. And if you look at the third quarter of 2017, to meet the median price again, or to purchase the median price, you needed to make $112,000. That's a 99% change, and that's single-family homes in all of California. If you look at townhomes, in the first quarter of 2012, you needed to make roughly $44,000, almost $45,000. And then now, or at least third quarter of 2017, you need to make 88770 Again, almost a 100% increase. In uh, the Los Angeles metro area, to buy the median price home in first quarter of 2012, you would have had to make 53780000 And then now you have to make roughly $100,000, and that's about an 88% jump. Now, this is where you turn around and be happy you don't live in the Bay Area, because in the Bay Area, in the first quarter of 2012, to buy the median price home, you had to make 90000 and now you need to make $173,500 to be able to qualify and, and meet the criteria for the median price home. That's a 92% increase, but it's a big number. So when you take that in comparison to the rest of the United States, how expensive California comes into very, very clear focus. In the U.S., speaking the entire country, in the first quarter of 2012, median price meant you had to earn $32,000. 2017 third quarter to buy the median price home in America, you have to make $51,000. It's only an increase of 60%. So, you know, in California, we get hit hard on a lot of things, whether it be gas, home prices, taxes, you name it, we, we pay more than most people. Uh, and it is what it is. So, you know, talk to your politician about that. I don't know if you'll have any success, but still, that's the people you need to talk to because nobody else is going to be able to change it. The upswing of the economy that's going on now that's going to help us here in California is that income wages are actually growing right now for the first time in a long time. And again, not a political statement. It just is what it is. As those incomes come up, they're actually now finally starting to get into that same growth that the housing is. So the good point there is that it's going to, I think in Los Angeles right now, it's about 25% or 24% of the people in LA metro market can afford to buy the median priced home, that number 
we anticipate by the end of 2018 getting closer to 30%. Not so much that there's an affordability issue where the prices are coming down. It's just that incomes are coming up, which will in turn help people qualify for those homes. One of the other things we're seeing about the housing affordability is it's actually the main reason for out-migration from California to other states. When people are surveyed, and this is the annual housing market survey that the California Association of Realtors does. They reach out to people who have moved and said, hey, we'd just like to ask you a few questions. And when you look at the number of buyers that are leaving for a specific reason, and they talk about housing affordability, quality of life, want to be closer to family members or relatives, they want a shorter commute to work or school, there's a job change, the quality of of schools have changed, they want a better school, they're retiring, are they moving to their second home, all these things. So when you look at the reasons people are moving out of California, the number one is housing affordability. It is what it is again. In 2016, 18% of the respondents said that was their main reason. In 2017, that came all the way up to 21%. Uh, The second one is quality of life. The third was to move closer to family or relative. Fourth was they wanted a shorter commute to work or school, particularly if you live in the Los Angeles or the San Francisco Bay Area. You know, commuting is just a nightmare no matter how you slice it. And, you know, we certainly have plenty of friends and clients who live in Santa Clarita or Canyon Country or out by Lancaster. And they work in either San Fernando Valley or in Los Angeles. And they're spending two hours a day sometimes each way in in, in their commute. And it's just, uh, it's brutal. I certainly understand that. Uh, job change is uh, 8% last or in 2016, 9% in 2017. And as I said earlier, we, Kirsten and I, are involved in a lot of relocation clients, and we're just not seeing the volume of people either moving in or moving out uh, of California based on the jobs as we used to. Even two or three years ago, we saw far more people coming in for the big companies, whether it be Guitar Center, uh, Amgen, Baxter. State Farm was bringing people in for a while. Uh, you know, we're just not seeing that same volume that we saw before. And even on the net out migration, last year we only had a couple deals from Amgen, whereas in previous years we do far more than that. So it's uh, it's one of those things. We're not getting enough homes to sell. That's driving prices up. We're all paying the price for it. Do we see it changing? No. There's simply no trigger point, if you will, that's going to make the 55-year-old and older people move. As a matter of fact, uh, if you look at the 55-plus population, 71% of those people have not moved since 1999. Uh, you know, it's pretty amazing. There's a couple of data points on how long people own their houses. Typically in California, if you go back to like 05, 06, people lived in their homes four to five years. And then, uh, you know, went through the recession and a lot of people lost their homes. A lot of people had to move for other job opportunities, whatever you have to do. But, you know, and once that part got shaken out, then you get to 2012, 2013, it was, you know, six to seven years. And then we look at the surveys from last year and it's 11 years for everybody when you include all age groups. But the 55 plus, when you look at that as a separate demographic, 71% of those people have not moved since 1999. And that's a huge chunk of the home inventory that we would usually be having coming into resale pipeline so new buyers could get other houses, you know, whether they remodel or not, doesn't matter. They just want to get the home and then they can do what they want to it. But we're just not seeing that. So at some point, the as the baby boomer generation ages, 
you're going to see those homes uh, either get passed on to the kids and the kids move in, or they'll start being sold off to pay for medical expenses or nursing home expenses or things like that. But as we just started recently entering into the, the oldest part of the baby boomer generation, you know, it's going to be a multi-year process. It's not going to, we're not going to wake up next year and all of a sudden have 50% more inventory than we had last year. That's just not going to happen. One of the other interesting things we're seeing right now this year, uh, last year we started the process, finished it up last week this year, and we're going to see more this year as well as short sales. We're in that final group of people who did a one of those toxic loans, not that they were liar loans going into it or anything like that, but basically an interest-only loan that had a 10-year lifespan before it reset. The last batch of those were issued in 2008. We had some clients last year that had loans that were issued in 2007, and their payments you know, doubled, in one case tripled, and their homes still weren't worth what they had paid for them at the absolute peak of the market. In one case, still a quarter million dollars less than what they paid for it. But in those cases, we went to the banks, did the short sales. Uh, this one we just closed last week. It was, uh, I don't want to name the bank, but they were very difficult. They actually declined both loans twice. We had to go back, escalate it, get a different negotiator, and you know, basically get down to it and say, look, here's the issue. This is full market value for the house. No matter what you do, if you take the home back in foreclosure, you're going to have all the carrying costs, the preparation costs, the same cost you'll have selling it now, and you're not going to get any more money for it unless you wait a year and then you'll get some more, but the carrying costs will far outstrip whatever uh, you know equity gain you get on it. Worked everything through, went back to them, escalated, 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 and finally got it approved and closed last week. And you know, great buyer who wanted to be in that neighborhood, grew up in that neighborhood, was able to purchase it. Our sellers are on the East Coast. They're very, very happy. Everybody's moved on. But we're still going to see this year in 2018 that last batch of loans that got issued in 2008 reset. And there's going to be some more of that going on. So if you or anybody you know gets into one of those situations, please have them call us because we are real estate experts. I mean, Kirsten and I are both licensed brokers. We have been doing short sales for the last 10 years easily. Uh, we deal with foreclosures. We've done, I mean, just in the last few months, we've dealt with probate sales. We've dealt with divorce sales. We've dealt with short sales. Had some standard sales, standard sales as well, too, which is nice. But, uh, you know, no matter what kind of sale you have, we've done it before. We're going to help you with it, and we're good at it. And same thing for our buyers. Our buyers are getting into the homes that we're writing on just simply because we've been doing it a very long time. We have great relationships with a lot of the realtors in the area. And even if we don't know the realtor, we're able to develop enough rapport with them and have a strong enough communication line with them early on, even before the offer submitted, to know exactly what, or as much as they'll share with us anyway, exactly what the seller's biggest needs are, what we need to do to make our offers as attractive as possible so our clients get their home. It's not always about the, the highest dollar amount. Some cases it is, but more often than not, there's some underlying reason that's actually more important to them. We suss it out, we address it, and our buyers get the, the offer. Many times, I mean, over the last year, even the last two or three years, most of our buyers have been in multiple offer situations and most of our buyers actually get the house. So give us a call to find out how we do that. It's not rocket science, but it is a science and we do it all the time. The, uh, you know, so many buyers are discouraged right now that it's hard for them. They go out, they've, some of these offers, some of these buyers we talk to that are working with other agents, they've written six, seven, sometimes 10 offers and they don't get accepted and they just get discouraged and they sit down and say, well, we're just going to wait. But the problem with waiting is it's going to cost you more. It's going to cost you more 
on your interest rate. It's going to cost you more on your acquisition costs because prices for homes right now are still only going in one direction. That's up. So no matter how much extra money you save, unless it's beating the rate of appreciation, you're either holding, you know, staying steady, treading water, or you're losing ground. So give us a call on that and let us talk about that. You can always reach us at 805-404-1167. Again, that's 805-404-1167. And, you know, we'll walk you through what needs to be done. We'll have you talk to our lender and get you pre-qualified so we know exactly what your situation is. And we can advise you where you can get the best house for your money. Or if you've already got the location decided where you want to be, we'll help you find the house, even if it's not in the market. Many times we have buyers who say, I want to live in this neighborhood, but there's nothing for sale there. Kirsten and I will go out, we'll knock the doors in the entire neighborhood. We drop mails on them. We will drop fires on their porches. We'll talk to people and say, look, we've got these qualified buyers specific. And we get actually specific on names, what their qualifiers are, who the lender is, and say, we're looking for your specific model. And it's typically a model within a neighborhood. If they've nailed it down to the neighborhood they want to live in, we know how many bedrooms they want, how many square feet, square feet they need for living area. We tailor it. We we go after those homes only. We just don't tell the whole neighborhood, hey, we've got a buyer call us. I mean, everybody does that. That's bad. But when we have a specific buyer for a specific neighborhood, we are always, I say always, most of the time we are able to shake a home loose. Sometimes we had one a couple years ago over in Lang Ranch, which is uh, part of Thousand Oaks. We shook four homes loose. And, uh, you know, our clients were very, very happy. We put them into the home that best met their needs and we all moved on. It was great, but you know, it's what professional realtors do. We work and uh, in the market today, you definitely need realtors at work. You know, we're watching the realtors who don't work fall by the wayside pretty quickly. So to wrap everything up, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on to LA County today. In LA County, you know, we talked about the median price. It's up to about 530, almost $531,000, which is still well below the peak that they had uh, in 2005. The inventory right now is sitting right about 2.9 months, so we're just under three months, which is half of what a normal market should be, which would be six months. And when we talk about the inventory and months of inventory, that's how long it would take if no homes came on the market. How long would it take to sell all the inventory that's on the market today? So right now, like I say, we're 2.9 months in Los Angeles County. The average days on market, or the median time on market, is not really the average. The median point is 21 days. Uh, in the better neighborhoods with the better schools, that number is going to be far less. For the neighborhoods that have more challenges, for whatever reason, that's going to be a bigger number. But right now, uh, the median time on market in Los Angeles County is 21 days. You go into Ventura County, uh, you know, there's a little bit more inventory. It's about 3.2 months. And the median time on market there really depends on the city. I mean, I, I in Westlake Village, you're going quickly. Thousand Oaks is going quickly. I'm seeing Oxnard last a little bit longer. Uh, Ventura is lasting a little bit longer. And, you know, give us a call for a specific city because we have a lot more data than I can share in a podcast. There's, We have numbers for days. We can crunch it any way you want it. Uh, sp- city, zip code, you know, type of house, how large, was it one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, you know, how much negotiability is going on. We have all that data for every price point in every city around here. So, you know, don't be shy. Give us an email. You can always email us at sold at powellfinehomes.com. You can always reach us on the phone at 805-404-1167. Again, that's 805-404-1167. We have a Facebook page we update you know, every day of the week. We have an Instagram accounts for both Powell Fine Homes, and then we have a secondary one uh, 
for most of the stuff we do other than real estate called Off-Road Realtor. Those are both on Instagram. And if you want to get up on our mailing list, if you want to download any of our buyer or seller guides, you can always go to our website at www.powellfinehomes.com. Again, that's www.powellfinehomes.com. Thank you for listening, and I appreciate it very much. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard or you want more info, please give us a call at 805-404-1167. Again, that's 805-404-1167 or send an email to sold at powellfinehomes.com. If you're ready to move on with your life in Los Angeles or Ventura counties, call us even quicker. The team at Powell Fine Homes are your real estate experts and who you hire matters. You can find us on the web, on Facebook, and on Instagram every day, and you'll love the results that our proven systems and model deliver for you. Call, email, or DM us today, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening.